the message was, we don't need all this stuff this Christmas. All we need and want is love. Now, I don't think they were actually trying to make a theological statement, but they did. Because this Christmas, if you really zero in on the true meaning, it's all about love, and that's what we need. That's what we want. Most everybody would lock into that. We need the love of God. And as we continue to prepare during this season of Advent, which means, again, just a time of preparation for the arrival of something, and we are just 16 days away from celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. So that's the whole Advent thing. That's where we find ourselves. And today what I would like to do is share with you a love story. Now the words that I am about to read may not seem like a love story. Not a whole lot of romance going on in this piece of scripture. However, it talks about the beginning of this birth and the relationship that was there. So if you have your Bibles with you, Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18, here's what the Bible says. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is the prophet Isaiah that they are referencing. And remember, he prophesied this 700 years before the birth, and that still gives me chills just to read that. The way God orchestrated things and the way God put things together, his hand has been at work throughout Scripture, throughout a love story. Verse 23 says, The virgin will, and this comes right from Isaiah, the virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means now what? God with us. Last week it was all about hope. God with us brings hope. This week it's all about love. God with us brings love. When Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with him, uh, with her, until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Okay. Not a whole lot of romance in that love story. However, it is the beginning of a relationship. The relationship had already kind of come together. I want to kind of talk you through that this morning. So if you could, if you could use your imagination and put yourself back in the ancient days of Israel where they were under the rule of Rome. It was a hard time for the people. They were in a little village called Nazareth. And there was a man there by the name of Joseph who was a carpenter. He came from noble ancestry. He was a distant relation from King David. He lived a humble life. He worked with his hands. He made things. He fixed things. He was a fixer. I'm a breaker. 
I break things. But I surround myself with a lot of you who are fixers. And when I break something, I usually give you a call and you come over and fix it. Debbie will say, call someone. Joseph was a fixer. Some theologians think that he moved from Bethlehem to Nazareth. It's just about a 70-mile trip as the crow flies. Maybe that's why he was returning to Bethlehem when the census was taken. But for some reason, he moved from Bethlehem to Nazareth. Some think maybe that he was ready to open up his own carpentry shop. He had probably learned his skill from his dad and maybe it was time for him to kind of do his own thing, make his own shekels, so off to Nazareth he went. Some think that maybe the town was without a carpenter and every little village needs a fixer, so their headhunters went after Joseph. Hey, Joseph's over here in Bethlehem. He's put together quite a trade. Maybe we go invite him to come to our village to help us with our carpentry. I don't know. Some people thought maybe he had relatives there. Maybe that's why he went. Regardless of the reason, he was probably late teens, 17, 18, 19, maybe as old as 20, which made him, ready for this, an eligible bachelor. He could have been on the show, you know? He was single. He had a job. He was doing well. And he was ready to marry and start a family. I'm sure the young girls of the village knew who Joseph was. Small town. Not very many people. And now we have an attractive young bachelor. You see, young women around that time married at a very early age, early teens, 12, 13, 14. So I'm sure these young girls had seen Joseph and said, hey, dad, there's a new guy in town. I'm sure the dads knew who Joseph was because he was a fixer and he had probably been over to their house a time or two fixing something. Or maybe making a table or making something for mom or dad. So when it came to the whole marriage thing back in their day, their customs, there were several legal guidelines you needed to follow. Basically three stages before I do was done. There had to be a contract. There had to be a consummation or a celebration of sorts. Uh, Not so much a celebration, but a ceremony. And then the third part of the three stages was the celebration. Let me talk you through these stages just so you'll have an idea of what this young couple was dealing with. The first, Mary's father more than likely went to Joseph's parents and offered a proposal. We would like your son to marry our daughter, And there was usually some negotiation that went on. Maybe an exchange of money. Maybe money and animals. Maybe money, animals, and stuff. And then as soon as the agreement was made, 
there was another ceremony, and, and we relive this kind of thing every Lord's Day when we take communion. When they took communion, that sealed the deal. Basically, what was being said was greater than a handshake. They would drink of the cup, and if they passed the cup to the other adults, if they drank of the cup, that made it happen. If there was no drinking of the cup, there was no deal. Are you with me? So every Sunday when we come together, we share in the Lord's Supper. That little cup representing the blood of Jesus, that bread, his body. Whenever we partake of that, we are basically saying to our Father in heaven, this week I want to be your person. Your ways, my ways. I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to talk the way you want me to talk. I want to be your person this week. And by this cup that I take, remembering the death of your son Jesus on the cross, I want to seal the deal. So every Sunday we relive this kind of experience. So once that had happened, then the couple would do their best to get to know each other. This is the dating stage in this first part of the stages. Wasn't too much like we're used to, dinner and a movie. But they would go through a dating process where they got to know each other and Sometimes the bride would stay with the family for a year or two or three, depending on the circumstances and the situation. But as soon as this deal was settled, they were considered engaged or married in the eyes of the community. They were pledged to each other. The second part came, the consummation, the ceremony, When that day was agreed on, Joseph would take some of his buddies and he would march them through their little village to Mary's house where she sat with a bunch of her friends and the ceremony took place. It was kind of a sacred thing which led to the third part of the deal and that was the celebration which usually lasted a week. My friends, that's a lot of cake and ice cream. But that's the way they did things. The whole community was there. It was a pretty, pretty big deal. Maybe a wee bit awkward, we might think. Maybe not too romantic, we might think. The Bible does not give us a whole lot of details. But what we do know that these were young kiddos. Probably if this happened in our culture, we would probably do our best to talk them out of it. You know, why don't you wait a few years? You know, you're just young and... You don't know any better. The options and opportunities for the woman, usually the greatest, because she had a lot to to benefit from. And I'm sure there were probably many times when Mary talked to her dad that she threw Joseph's name out there and asked if she had seen, or if he had seen the young carpenter. He would probably make a good catch. He was young, he was handsome, he had a job. And then God, God's work was done. The two finally pledged their lives one to the other. And I don't know how they begin to spend time with each other. Maybe maybe this is how it happened. 
Maybe Mary would show up at Joseph's little carpentry shop with some of his favorite baked goods. Just stopping in to say hey. When we were married, my wife knew that I loved cherry pie. She is a tremendous baker, and she would often bake me cherry pies just for no reason at all. And I did my best to keep her happy. I'd eat them. First time I went to meet her family up in Erie, Illinois, the Circiones. Did you catch that? Circione. She had a, her mom had a cherry pie baked for me. On our wedding day, when they usually have a groom's cake, guess what I had? Cherry pie. Maybe Mary just showed up now and then with some of her, her, her specialties. Just, you know, because the way to a man's heart is through what? How come only women answer that question? <laughs> I mean, you know what we like. Maybe that was the deal. Maybe Joseph made little things for her. Maybe he made some things for her house or for her room. I don't know, but they, they, they just did their best to, uh, to, to get to know each other. Maybe walking through the streets of Nazareth, maybe people would say, there go Mary and Joseph. They're going to get hitched. Maybe they walked down by the stream or just hung out on the porch. I don't know. But everything started to go sideways with verse 18. See, the Bible says an angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive a child that would be from the Holy Spirit, and they were to name him Jesus. You want the good news or the bad news? Good news? They already had a name picked out. (laughs) Isn't that a big deal? I remember when we were trying to pick out names, and Debbie had these little books with about a million names in them. And we finally landed on one, and that was quite the deal. We had a dog once, and I went to the vet for the first time, and the lady says, what's your dog's name? I said, I don't know. She said, by the next time you come here, you have a name for that animal. I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. What's your name? (laughs) I remember going to the doctor's office with Debbie, and the doctor asked us after one visit if we wanted to know if we were going to have a little boy or a little girl. And I said, yes. And Debbie said, no. And she gave me the look. And I gave her the look back. On the way out, the doctor stopped me. He goes, Jerry, you really want to know what you're having? I said, yeah, I do. And he says, you promise you won't tell Debbie? And I said, yes, I do. And he told me a little boy. And I never told Debbie until she had a little boy. Now, on that day, if she had had a little girl, I would have grabbed that doctor. And we had had a little talk. So they already had a name. I mean, that's the good news. You will call him Jesus? The bad news was she was pregnant. Oh, that wasn't going to sit well. I don't know how Joseph handled that news. I don't know if he turned and walked away quietly, broken and hurting, or I don't know if he yelled and screamed and ran it and raved, but I do know he was upset because verse 19 says he was a righteous man, a good man, And he was going to put her away. He was going to divorce her quietly. Back in Bible times, if you were pregnant out of wedlock, they could haul you outside the city and stone you to death. What if we still practice that today? To quote a well-known theologian, 
maybe there wouldn't be enough rocks. Our culture is different, is it not? He still loved her. She still meant a great deal to him. So he was just going to put her away quietly. And I think that's kind of funny because it was a small community. I mean small. Do you think the word would not get out? What was he going to tell his mom and dad? Mary, she's pregnant. Angel told her it's from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Seriously. What was she going to tell her mom and dad? I mean, there's a lot of, what about their friends? What were they going to say? How are they going to get through this ordeal? Never happened before. Joseph was having a hard time wrapping his head around this. Mary was too. The Bible says that this is where the lovebirds kind of part. Mary goes to hang out with her aunt, Elizabeth, for three months. Maybe that was until they felt better about it. Maybe that was until they worked through it. We don't know for sure, but we do know the Bible says that when she got to her Aunt Elizabeth, she was kind of going through a whole miracle thing herself. And that's where she got the affirmation, the encouragement, the compassion that she needed to get and to hear. And I think God saw that things were a little bit sideways. Okay, a lot of bit sideways. Verses 20 through 25, here's what the Bible says. But after he had considered the divorce deal, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means, guess what? God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name, guess what? Jesus. Have you ever thought through this? I don't know how Joseph handled this, but I'm thinking that maybe he woke up after his dream and he grabbed his robe and he ran towards Mary's house and he knocks on the door. Mary! Mary! You think Mary answered the door? Probably not. It was probably Mary's dad and her mom, the brothers and sisters, and maybe Mary was at the back trying to look over everybody. And I can hear Joseph saying, Hey, it's going to be okay. I had a dream too. I had an angel too. It told me exactly the same thing. Come on, woman, let's go home. Okay, that part I just kind of threw in there. (laughs) And that's where the love story begins. And I guess what I want you to do today is remember three things about this whole deal. And the first thing is this. God is love. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? I'm going to count three. We're going to say that together. Do not want you to fail church today. So you need to kind of get ready for this. One, two, three. God is love. You guys are so much better in first service. Some of them had to stay for second. They just didn't get that right. God is love. That's where it starts. 
Mary and Joseph, their love story, it took the form of humanity in Jesus. And this is how John describes this love experience in 1 John chapter 4. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God will live in him and he in God. And so we know that and rely on the love of God. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now that sounds real confusing, doesn't it? Let me just break it down for you. God is love. I mean, that's the deal. One, two, three, what now? God is love. I mean, that's the very first thing to remember here. Love is the center of our relationship with God. Love was the center of their relationship with one another. And the love that we have for Jesus connects us to the Father. Pretty easy. When the world fell into sin and rebellion in Genesis, God has been doing his best to love us back to him. Genesis through Revelation Love story. It's all about love. And the hard question about any love story is this. Is love enough? Is love strong enough? Is it deep enough? Is it true enough to handle the X, Y, and Z from the trivial to the annoying to the catastrophic and potentially crushing. I want to be the first to tell you today that God's love is enough. You see, this birth of the baby that we are getting ready to celebrate, the purpose that we are told in Scripture, you will call him Jesus because he will do what? He will save his people from their sin. That's the process that we celebrate because the cross... The resurrection, that's the final part of the celebration. They're all connected. So God is love. Are we there? Number two, get ready. Don't want anybody to fail in church. God gives love. Okay? One, two, three. God gives love. Okay, now we're going to time together, okay? This is really going to be hard. God is love. God gives love. One, two, three. God is love. God gives love. Man, we are there. We're passing church. Do you feel good? Okay, maybe not. Let's keep going. Matthew one twenty one. This prophecy happened 700 years ago. I mean, man, that gets my motor going. If that doesn't get your motor going, maybe your motor is broke. 700 years ago, this prophecy was made, and now it's coming to reality. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name of Jesus because he is to save his people from their sins. Now, do you think Mary and Joseph knew what they were getting into? When you were married, did you know what you were getting into? Okay, multiply that by about a million here because this is a pretty unusual situation. I'm here to say they probably had no idea what they were getting into, but they were willing to trust and obey. It didn't make sense because of the law. It did not make sense because of their culture. It just made no sense at all. But Joseph decided and Mary decided to hold hands and to trust and obey. 
You see, even though our sin means death and separation from a holy God, in his love he chose to save us at the expense of his one and only son. John 3, verse 16. So God is love. He gives love. And this is his promise from Romans 8, 39. Nothing can separate us from his love. So what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, not a zero zilch. Nothing. The only thing that can separate you from the love of God is you walking away from his love. You turning your back on the Holy Father. So if this is going to work, this God is love, this God gives love, then God's love needs to flow through us. I know that's kind of hard to remember, so we're going to make it pretty easy. God is love. God gives love. God's love flows through us. Okay? On three. One, two, three. God is love. God gives love. God's love flows through us. If that's how it has to happen, then we need to be the people who understand that we need to, to, to give God's love through our life. You know, that's why we have these gifts down here today. They're going to the rescue mission in a few days. Those guys at the mission, we do this every year for the mission. We are the only church in Evansville that does this. Extra large, large, double X shirts, sock hats, gloves, underwear, whatever. We wrap them up because in the Fun to unwrap things? Anybody here unwrap more than one present Christmas? We hope that all these guys at the mission have more than one present to unwrap in a few days. That's why we have an angel tree out there in the lobby. A way that you could pull off an ornament and help a young person understand maybe the love of God. Because it's got to flow through us. We have to be connected that way. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, it is more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. Do we believe that? Sometimes. Christmas is coming. Do you got a list? I don't have a list again this year. You know why? I really don't need anything. There's a few things I want. Sometimes we never grow out of that, do we? Because usually at Christmas, who's it about? It's all about me. Make me happy. Give me some stuff. That's not the real purpose of Christmas. The purpose is helping others. There were some young children that were asked what they wanted for Christmas. And then there was a little twist in the question. It goes like this. This year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer. Big, giant, Barbie house. A trophy case. Xbox 360. Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. Like watches. So, we actually did buy an Xbox 360. What in the world? I wanted this! 
Okay, you you really got this for me? A new app house. Wow, it's a necklace. So we also bought a necklace because you said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself huh? or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer, oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. So it's either family or Legos, and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family, and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mama wants something. She helps me when I'm sick. She helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now I, I have the opportunity to give them something. Because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually going to go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and Why? thankful. Just happy. Thankful. For your family? For what? My family. Everything. You did make his decision, actually. And oh he goodness. picked the Pandora Charms. You know, Jesus said in John 13 that love one another the way I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, my family. And you know, I, th- I think these little guys understand the real meaning of Christmas. They, it, it took them, a, I mean, it was a process, right? And I think that's what God calls us to understand. So I don't want you to miss the obvious this year, okay? Let me close with this story because this man missed the obvious. He was a custom officer who worked at the border between Mexico and the United States. And it was his job to inspect people and vehicles for contraband. And there was this guy that came on a regular basis in a truck, and he, he, he would often pull him aside because he just looked guilty. And every time he had a truck, man, they took this thing apart, bumpers off, seats out. They looked in the fenders, the tires, everywhere. They never found anything. Every time he would come, sometimes they would uh, x-ray, sonar, they would have dogs sniff and things. They they never found anything for years. It happened over and over and over again. So finally, this custom officer was getting ready to retire. 
this man came through again and he said, hey, I retire tomorrow. But man, I know you've been smuggling something all these years. Can you just tell me what you've been doing? Because it's been making me crazy. I promise, I give you my word, nothing will happen to you. And the driver of the truck said, I've been smuggling trucks. All these years, trucks. Nothing more, nothing less, just trucks. The officer was so focused on the wrong thing that he missed the obvious. Do not miss the obvious this year. It's better to give than receive. God with us means that he brings us hope and love and also joy and peace, but we'll talk about that in days to come. But remember that God is love, God gives love, and if this is going to work, it's got to flow through us. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus. We thank you for uh, sending them here to save us from our sins. And Jesus, we thank you for putting up with everything that you did and, and, and going to the cross and dying for us. Father God, we thank you for raising him from the grave. And as we begin to celebrate Christmas, help us, Father, to never forget that you are love and that you give love. And help us to remember, Father God, as we take this communion, that it needs to flow through us. We need to be your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mouth. Use us this year to make a difference this Christmas. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.